Many years ago, this time of year, I was at band camp in the early rehearsals of our James Bond-themed halftime show. And every year this time of year, I, I think back on those band memories, and, and uh, one of the memories that always comes back to me is, is something that happened that particular season a bit later in the fall. It was a pretty cold, sleet-filled Ohio night. The field was very muddy. We were doing our level best to march that halftime show through that mud. Well, there's one point where all the trumpets and trombones are, are to be marching horizontally together, and I was a trumpet and, and, and playing that halftime show, and one of the trombones he's playing, he's playing, and next thing you know, he is just flat as a pancake in the mud, trombone down in front of him. My eyes got huge behind the trumpet. Like, what do we do? And, and as if reading our minds, the first chair trumpet, our, our section leader, he takes his mouth from his trumpet and he goes, keep marching, keep marching. <laughs> At that time, we, we had no idea why this trombone player had fallen. He, he, he just tripped in the mud, it was fine, he, he kind of wiggled himself out and caught up to us. But at the moment, for all we knew, he passed out. But I'm telling you, it is a strange thing that happens when, when the one authority, the first chair trumpet, calls out orders and the music is still playing all around you from all over the field, kind of begging your instrument to keep its part going, and the formation is still moving all around you, kind of begging you to keep formation. It is really tough to break from the music, to break from the formation, and go check on the trombone player in the mud. Our parable today is about a servant who does risk breaking from the formation, breaking from the show. We know this parable, right? This is the one where we, we need to remember to use the gifts God's given us, right? We're the servants entrusted with, with these gifts that we need to offer and, and, and invest and let God's grace multiply them. The worst thing you can do is sit on your gifts, is, 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 is put them away, bury them. We, we know this parable. And yes, the way that Matthew's gospel tells this parable, which is the one we usually read in church, uh, that angle is very much there. But did you notice that Luke sounded a little strange at a few points? Because Luke's telling goes in a very different way with this parable. Listen again to how the story begins. A nobleman went to a distant country uh, to get royal power for himself and then return. Different from Matthew's version. Power not to serve or lead, but power for himself. Okay. He summoned then, right, the ten slaves and gave them uh, the, the, the pound and said, do business with these till I return. And, and, and then we read, but the citizens of his country hated this nobleman and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to rule over us. Now that's striking that the people hate this nobleman, soon to be king. Okay. And then did you notice uh, uh, the servants who return, uh, who, um, who show a return on their investment, are not given charge over many things, as Matthew's version says, but instead are given 
you rule 10 cities. You, you rule five cities. Multiplying your funds results in the overt, distinct giving of political power. Okay? And then, of course, that ending to this parable is quite striking, isn't it? The now king says, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king, bring them here and slaughter them in my presence. Phew. Is Jesus supposed to be the nobleman who goes and gets power for himself, grants obedient investors with political power, and then has his enemies slaughtered in his presence. It does help to know that in Jesus' time, there was a recent well-known political event that had occurred at the death of uh, the great King Herod. <clears throat> his sons were fighting over who was going to inherit the throne, and, and the son that eventually got the greater portion of the kingdom slaughtered some 3,000 Jews who opposed him, all the while securing his power all the more by giving political gifts to those obedient. In other words, <clears throat> the earliest listeners knew very well uh, this contemporary story of a nobleman, eventually king, who ran a tight, fear-based ship based on those who did his bidding and slaughtered those who opposed. To the early listener, this parable rang eerily true. And then let's remember the context right here in Luke's gospel. Right away, Jesus tells us why he's sharing this story. He went on the teleparable because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He tells this story as a way of setting expectations about what God's kingdom and kingship is all about. And then you recall the very next thing that happens after this parable. He processes into Jerusalem on a donkey and is slaughtered by the political authorities of the day because he simply would not get in step with their way of running the world. And so it threatened the entire formation. What if Jesus is not the exacting nobleman, but the third servant in our story, fearfully but courageously resisting the empire's music? What if he's not the one calling for business as usual, but the one stepping away from the formation? What if he's not among those taking their pound and, and letting the system work for them, but the only one who's speaking the truth clearly, I knew you to be a harsh man and suffer the consequences? What if Jesus is the third servant And when you think about it, doesn't that sound a lot like Jesus? Do you remember that story? It's early in his ministry. It's a short story at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark where he's healing all these people and showing forth all this power and the crowds are really picking up and his disciples say to him, everyone's looking for you. Jesus, you've got the crowds. Let's build the momentum. Let's build the platform. Multiply the platform. Get the likes, the shares, the comments everybody's looking for you. Come on. And after a night 
spent in solitary prayer away from the noise, Jesus looks at them and says, yeah, let's go that way. Away from the crowds here. We need to go to the villages here and preach the good news. The music of celebrity resisted in favor of faithfulness. Or, or, or do you remember the one where, where the acknowledged, respected religious leaders of the day surround a woman caught in adultery? The law of Moses says we are to stone this woman. What say you, Jesus? And can you feel the weight of, of their authority, their tradition, the weight of the stones themselves, perhaps in the hands or, or right nearby? Let anyone who is without sin cast the first stone. The very real pressure to keep formation with, with the religious authority and social norms resisted in favor of forgiveness. Or what about the fact that Jesus was regularly critiqued for eating with sinners and tax collectors and women? He ate with people uh, associated with scandals and, and ugly wrongs uh, associated with them. He ate with people who had way too much money and, and had gotten some of it by, by ripping others off. The very real pressure to keep step with social convention and be on the right side of things and the right people of things resisted. favor of fellowship. Time and again, Jesus simply will not stick to the music of this world. If there is someone in the mud, whether it's mud of their own doing, whether they got pushed into the mud by someone else, whether they're in the mud because society has deemed their past, their ethnicity, their gender, their career, their politics to be mud, doesn't matter. Jesus came to save and love sinners. Jesus kneels in the mud and suffers the consequences of not keeping the prevailing religious formation or social formation or political. That if, if we don't follow what the moral or political or business or, or, or family authority has said is the way, then one way or another, we're going to be stoned. Fear that if we do keep company with the wrong people, or we help them, or we talk to them, or we defend them, or we show some measure of sympathy or understanding with, with some of where that side's coming from, we'll be shunned. Fear that if we don't fight fire with fire for our way, we will be crucified. And yet I'm struck that in a parable where the chief thing that is gained by those who stay in formation with the king's wishes, the chief thing gained is, is political power. Here, ten cities, here. He's not going to march lockstep with the prevailing political power. My kingdom is not of this world. Perhaps the fears that we have in really walking in the way of Jesus are well-founded. Because, right, a week after marching into Jerusalem on that lowly donkey, he's not only without political power, but, but, but crucified by it. And yet, 
definition of courage. Acting with complete vulnerability in the deep conviction that love is stronger than the worst they can do to you. Courage. That even if we see it's not going to work out, we see no way it makes sense, even if we see the, no way the conversation is going to go anywhere if seasoned with, with truth and, and love, no way forgiveness is going to make a difference, no way we're not going to be hurt if we go this route or we step this way, and the conviction that somehow, some way, love wins. Because Jesus wins. I wonder where do we sense the stronghold of fear? Keeping us as the church in lockstep with some of the ways of the world? Us as individuals? And where might Jesus be calling us to break formation? Political formation? Social formation, religious formation, in the name of faithfulness, in the name of forgiveness, in the name of fellowship, in the name of Jesus. Unless we begin thinking that breaking formation means some kind of big, bold stand, it may, it may. But lest we begin thinking that it's going to be, it's some. And then Romans chapter 12 goes into detail about what it looks like not to be uh, conformed or living in formation with, with all the world and its power, but, but to walk in, in Jesus' way, to step from the formation. It offers really practical guidance. And what I want to do is simply read a portion of Romans chapter 12 because it's, it's like hearing what it means to, to step from formation. And I invite you... I'm going to read it slowly so you can let your hearts hear God's word and consider where and how the Holy Spirit may be stirring you and us as the church to step from formation. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert, servants of the master. Cheerfully expect. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, 
get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Importantly, and finally, the third servant in our parable, he mentions his fear. Courage to step with love does not mean we step when we finally feel no fear. We finally put it aside. We finally overcome it. Courage is stepping with love right in the midst of fear. Vulnerability presupposes the fear is right there. But we walk with a Savior whose love proves stronger than death, who promises never to leave us or forsake us, who assures us that he is with us, and if he is with us, who can be against us? May we step with courage. Amen.